Welcome. It's time for some Connect This. We're going to be doing some real talk about broadband in the trenches from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. We've got uh, two great guests and uh, the person that we put up with show after show, Travis, is back. Um, <laughs> Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in St. Paul. Um, today, we have Dennis Pappas, who is the Director of Fiber Networks at the City of Longmont, uh, where they call the fiber service Nextlight. Welcome. Thank you. And we also have Christy Batts, the Broadband Division Manager at the City of Clarksville, Tennessee, uh, someone who's been on Broadband Bits at least two times, and I'd like to have on like 10 times more. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Excited. Yes, I'm excited too. And then we have, uh, of course, our our, our co-host who partially abandoned us for an episode, and nobody liked that episode. I just I'm still getting hate mail about it. Um, Travis Carter, the global sourcing director for USI Fiber, welcome back. Hello, Chris. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are your How are your vendors treating you? I'm good. How's my chicken wing bet coming along? <laughs> Let's talk about other things. All right. I think I'm going to win. <laughs> um. We are going to dive right into the a quick game of telecom peek peekaboo just with a, a, a photo to identify. And then we're going to get into the fun conversation about how Longmont and Clarksville built really cool networks. So um, let's just jump right in with, uh, with this photo. And I think you have to zoom in some because this is a pretty standard macro cell. But Travis, I'm, I'm always curious, what are those little uh, arms down below? Just if you, zoom, if, you, if you go down just a little bit, what are we looking at there? the the two little omni antennas out there at the below the cell yeah, on the left yeah yeah i was kind of wondering that too hmm. don't know don't know i don't i don't know that specific use you know could it might be a municipal use omni antenna it could be for police fire I, I would be surprised if it was directly related to the cell tower itself unless it was for out of band management which what is that which basically on our site, so if, if we have if we lose connectivity to a site, a technician can drive up to the site and connect to it and um, remotely. So but then without, you, without having to climb up the pole. And the term out of band seems actually relatively uh, good timing, given that Facebook locked itself out of apparently a number of secure rooms when its uh, border gateway protocol um, configuration <laughs> didn't work. And uh, a whole bunch of their security just locked everyone out and then they couldn't fix it. Security, voice over IP, when everything relies on the network and the network isn't there, it all fails. So, all right. Then, if you scroll down a little bit more, there's another Omni, and, cool. and you're calling them Omnis because um, I think this is another fun part of this. Um, there's no way it's shaped, it just goes out in all directions. Yeah. Um, but the cells up above, the way they're designed, they can actually. Um, they can be directional because you can time the signals so that they reinforce each other. Is that right? Yeah, but so so if you look down, you see the two little round antennas too. It looks like they have some sort of backhaul up here. So I guess my, my basic thought is the top part is the cellular service, and these bottom two are probably municipal of some type. Okay. It, looks like, it looks like it, it might relay backhaul and then be some sort of access. So, you know, actually, um, where, where was this? Was this here in Minneapolis or what? It was in Minnesota. I'm not sure where. Somewhere I am. Um, Rye took it. Um, should give them credit. Yep. Um, and uh, is that something public safety would use or something it else? Be, yeah, yeah. You, okay. never know. you know, the government has all kinds of fancy stuff we don't know about. So Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I was curious if we were going to get through the show without you talking about um, whether whatever our president's plan is for the ports, but uh, we'll save that for the end when people have had a chance to get a drink. All right, perfect. Um, the uh, the show really. Um, so I should say, um, you know, Christy and Dennis, if you have anything, any thoughts about that, we'd like to just sort of look at a different shot of telecommunications infrastructure and try to figure out what we know about it. Well, the picture you're just showing is kind of funny. We um, we are doing a shot that's going to go down um, into a small community called Del Camino, and it's going to provide uh, about a gig broadband service to um, students on a free and reduced lunch program. We're going to provide a service into the community center, and it'll be in the parking lot. And there's a pool area there, um, and that's kind of the technology that we're using. Um, that's a point-to-point, uh, a point-to-point shot to get out along Montpellier East, um, out towards the interstate. Uh, is that a few miles, or what's the distance? It's about five, five and a half miles. Okay. Yeah. That's remarkable. We were um, in the tribal wireless boot camp that I, I helped to run. Um, we were just uh, aiming in directional antennas at each other over about two hundred yards. Uh, five miles seems extremely difficult to get that lined up well. We we, we have a hop in the middle of it. Okay. So, Still. Yeah. Still. <laughs> cool. Um, so I think we should we should jump in. And uh, um, Christy, I think you'll get to go first because uh, your network's older. So um, you just want to tell us just briefly for people who aren't familiar with CDE Lightband, um, you know, how you decided to, to get going with that and, and what it is? Sure, sure. Well, CDE is was originally the Clarksville Department of Electricity. Um, until we rebranded in 2007, but the um, electric company built a fiber network primarily for their um, SCADA um, and, and um, electric delivery management, AMI, you know, meter management, all of those things, self-healing grids, um, and invested about, um, I think it got upwards of over $80 million in building that true fiber to the, to the premise network. In 2006, um, they had gone as a referendum vote um, with the city for all the, the constituents to vote if they wanted the electric company to enter into the broadband business to help offset the costs and give some competition in the market. 73% of the voters voted for the electric company to go into the business. And so that started the path of also building a, a broadband delivery system off of the fiber network. So we've been in the business. Um, we launched officially with our first customer install in January of 2008. Um, and if we um, have had challenges, um, we've had them all in some way, shape or form. <laughs> uh, no money, um, you know, um, no, uh, um, a, a, an initial investment, significant investment in um, infrastructure that was not designed to deliver a solid internet or television product. And we're full triple play. They went old school and, and went TV, internet, and phone. And we still are doing all of those things uh, because that's what the citizens voted that they wanted. And uh, so we, you know, had had significant challenges um still to this day you know there's some some challenges in the way that we're probably structured a little differently than some other municipalities in that because we're part of the tva tennessee valley authority uh, regulatory system um 
each entity, the electric entity and the, the broadband entity have to survive on their own. And broadband had zero dollars. The bonds dollars were not borrowed for broadband. They were borrowed for the fiber network. Um, the electric side of the business owns the fiber network and the broadband side of the business leases that fiber network from them. We had to borrow, the broadband side had to borrow $17 million um, from the electric side to put in the um, infrastructure to deliver TV, internet, and phone services and um, in turn had to pay that back. I've, I've always joked with our general manager that, you know, I thought that was like borrowing from your parents. You don't actually have to pay that stuff back. <laughs> But we did <laughs> with interest. <laughs> Not only are there um, citizens groups that watch out for that sort of thing. I understand TVA has some pretty strong opinions about it. They had some very strong opinions about it and some very, uh, it, I will say it as nicely as I possibly can. We had some really strong advocates on the TVA side, but we also had some very strong folks that didn't really want to see our electric companies get into the business of de delivering broadband services, more so because they wanted to pe protect the electric ratepayers um, from any exposure if these systems didn't fail. So we had a lot of a lot of regulatory oversight from that organization. In the long run, it's paid out, and they've become they've shifted as an organization, and they see now the value of these municipalities getting into um, the broadband business and what it can mean not only with the fiber and the electric management, but what the, the revenues generated by broadband can do for the utility as well. So, That's something that you and I have talked about quite a bit on the yeah. on broadband bits. I'm sure we'll, we'll have a chance to talk about that again. Okay. But what's the, what's the big news? Um, what's the, the um, you know, there's some people who attack municipal broadband and say this thing's a, it's a total disaster. It'll never pay for itself. What's your situation with your debt? Uh, we are debt free. So we um, just in, this past June, made our last um, two and a half million dollar payment on the 17 and a half million dollar loan. So we uh, we are operating in the black and have been since 2015, have zero debt and are carrying our own and, and growing exponentially. And you're um, landlocked by a co-op, so you can't expand if you want to. That's right. We're, <laughs> and TVA regulatory in the state of Tennessee that also does not allow us to provide services outside of our service territory. So unless they're electric company, customer they don't get our broadband services right cool um any quick questions travis or should we jump into longmont no i'm just always you know i'm always impressed with the electric companies running their own networks because it seems so logical to me you've got people that know how to wire and run infrastructure and hang cables etc so it just it seems like a natural fit but i, right. I thought it was an interesting delineation though between the IP stack and the physical fiber itself, you know, or, or the broadband side. So you guys actually broke those up, huh? We did. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Any idea, any idea what the initial logic was on that? I'm just curious, you know, the physical infrastructure versus I guess just the internet service itself. Um, yeah. Again, it was that they got very centered on that TVA thought process. The bond dollars were borrowed by the electric organization pre-broadband being in existence. And those bond dollars were used to build the fiber network. And then when it came time to build the broadband side of the business, it was, we have to keep those separated. So while we'll loan you the money to buy it all, you know, it's yours, you run it, you manage it, you deliver right. off of it. And, and oh, by the way, I, I pay a 
about $9 million a year in lease payments to the okay. electric side of the business just to have access to the fiber. Yeah, so that works out real well for the electric side. Yeah. It does. How's the and final question, Chris, then we can move on for me is, um, how's the TV thing working out in the in, <laughs> in 2021? Um, in 2021, it's a challenge. Um, okay. We have launched a streaming product. It's still in its infancy. Um, and, and we're still trying to feel our way through what that can mean for us on the television side. Um, as it stands today, I'm losing television, what we call our legacy, you know, set top box IPTV delivered services. I'm losing on average about 50 to 60 customers a month. Okay. Maybe 20 of those will shift over to the streaming. If they're inclined to have a, a different, you know, if they're new to streaming and not going straight to YouTube TV or Hulu or all of those others, they'll look at our product, but it's not a one for one switch over. So. Okay. It's a declining business. Cool. Just like residential phone. Yeah, I, I assume. That, yeah, you're, I mean, I assume that are you in single digit uptake on voice over IP service now? We are, if if yeah. anything, and, and primarily now we just about three years ago entered the hosted PBX business on the business side of the house, yeah. and um, and that's where we're making our money and our growth on phone right now. Sure. So I have to say, I have to. Um, I'm a big fan of Longmont. Um, Longmont, um, shared with me the, the anniversary hat. I have, I have a challenge coin from Longmont in my desk, in my, in my office. Um, been out there a couple times. Um, I haven't got the Clarksville yet, but I desperately want to. Um, uh, so, so Dennis, um, your story is, uh, you know, is, uh, involves also some intrigue, uh, having multiple referenda, but, uh, what's the short version of how Longmont got into this? Well, basically, the, the ring uh, that tied a lot of the power together through Longmont, Fort Collins, Estes Park, and Loveland was part of the Platte River Power Authority power grid. And then LPC, of course, was the power side, Longmont Power and Communications. Um, I, I, I would have loved to have been here when it started. Uh, roughly 2013 is when they, uh, they issued the bond, or the bond got issued for about $45.5 million. And uh, we too, um, you know, ran at a pretty uh, fast pace to get the network built out, and ended up getting another 10 million out of the electric fund. Um, we're not. I look forward to the day when we have the debt paid off. That's going to be in 2029, um, and and we continue to pay about five five and a half million dollars a year in debt service right now. Um, unlike what CDE is doing, though, we are broken apart now. From we're still part of City of Longmont. Um, but we, we partner with LPC, um, but we're kind of a separate uh, subsidiary of our own here. So, uh, so if I could just break in for a second, what is the C of LPC now that you're not part of it? Didn't you take the C with you? It, it, it just stayed there. No, it's, it's <laughs> Longmont Power Communications still. So, and, and they do communications from a SCADA standpoint, and all those sure. other, you know, all those other entities they have there. So, um, we initially built about forty-five thousand homes um, in Longmont. Uh, we're about ninety-two percent built out. The, the ones we aren't built out to, there's a lot of, uh, you know. There's properties that are here that um, have exclusive marketing agreements with the incumbent, with other uh, providers in the community. Um, initially, you know, when they did the build, um, you know, anticipated that uh, Longmont or the Next Light eventually wouldn't get any more than about 37% of the market. 
Um, and unfortunately, they kind of built to that 37% mark. We're currently setting at 58%. Um, so we are, uh, you know, in some areas, we're finding that we're having to do a lot of uh, juggling with the facilities in order to get capacity into areas. But um, we are we have a, a very uh, aggressive program to do reinforcements and uh, we're doing a lot of rehabilitation work right now and some of the earlier phases that got built up so we could free up those fibers um, you know kind of changing out the technology moving more to a, a splitter cabinet than, than what we had in the original technology so Longmont was built in six phases um, we just uh, dropped a building for a seventh phase, which is kind of serving the northeast uh, side of town. We just got that, uh, just got the building put in about a week and a half ago. Um, uh, currently have almost 24,000. Our, 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 our target for the end of this year is 24,000. Um, Valerie and I have a bet uh, that, uh, you know, she says 24-2, I say 24-4. Um, we're on track to be about 24-4, so I, I, I usually don't make a bet unless I can win it. So um, <laughs> That is apparently not my strategy, I'm finding. <laughs> there you go. You know, it's really, uh, you know, you see some months. Um, we do we did have a TV offering, um, but uh, probably about six months ago, it, it, it you know, we parted company with that. Um, we are, we do have a, a, a partnership now with uh, StreamWise. We're doing a... Uh, a streaming type of a service. Um, we are really getting a lot of inquiries about that. Um, Streamwise is going out and, you know, putting in the uh, the antenna for it and pushing the IPv6 modems and stuff. And, um, you know, we're finding that that's a better partnership for us than really the, the TV offering that we are doing. So um, one of the things, the exciting things we have going is uh, probably first quarter of 2022, we'll have a 10 gig offering. Uh, that'll be in four of the seven uh, hut or the, uh, you know, kind of the wire centers or locations that we have. Um, and then we'll have the others turned up in 2023. Right now we're just going through what the pricing on the, uh, you know, on, on the 10 gig should be um, in order to be, uh, to be marketable. So. So the thing that I think, um, and, and please, I have no inside information on this, uh, but um I, I've long credited Longmont's remarkable success with um, to, to hit 50% in what five years, I think, um, and to still be growing, uh, knowing that 92% of those early customers were uh, charter members where um, Longmont said, if you sign up in the first three months that we turn on a service in your neighborhood, then you will get this price, a $50 gigabit for life and if you move within the footprint you take that with you and you can market that to the in the on the real estate market so people would if that bought the home would also still have that charter membership yep. that seemed brilliant um in a low inflation environment um uh, is there any any heartburn now or uh, or what what's the reality in terms of that now no, no, no heartburn with that. In fact, we're getting uh, we're getting questions. There's a couple communities that um, that we just are building out into, um, and, and they're asking that question about the charter rates. You know, well, you've been going for now for five six years. Can we still get the charter rate? So that's one thing we're having to look at. But no, we don't. Um, we have no reservations about offering that. Um, and still, why you know, isn't anyone else doing it? I mean, I just I look like Comcast looks like they're playing all kinds of games up in Fort Collins, and they just they don't want to take what looks like a really good recipe from you. 
You know, I I don't know. It's been really interesting to see kind of the reaction of both Comcast and and uh, CenturyLink in this market. And and I'll you know full disclosure, I was with CenturyLink for thirty nine years. Um, one of my uh, what did you start my, when you were twelve? <laughs> <laughs> I wish um, I started actually when I was fifteen. But um, one of my uh, one of my roles at CenturyLink later on in my career was fighting networks like this. I was in public policy, and we met with the city of Longmont and the folks here in Fort Collins and Loveland and, you know, talked about the evils and Utopia and Utah and talked about the evils of a municipal build and, you know, how it shouldn't be done on the taxpayers back. And at the same time, we are, you know, kind of limiting where we are going to invest money from a, from a CenturyLink standpoint. And I, I, you know, I, I, it's kind of funny, you know, being on this side now and you really see the impact and the benefits that we've had on the communities, the, you know, from the, um, from the longtime residents down to the students, down to, you know, just the businesses that we have. We really weren't that focused on businesses, you know, a couple of years ago. And we really, I think, made an impact there also. Cool. So that's the, those are the things I would let, let Travis jump in. Yeah. So, so you're, you're providing IP only no, 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 no TV or phone at this point. We, we, we provide voice. We, oh, provide, you do? Okay. Yeah, we provide voice to our customers. Um, like I said, the TV, it, it was a, yeah, it was a uh, amicable separation. We just, it just wasn't working out for either. Yeah. So yeah. And you're Jeepon, right? We are Jeepon. Yes. And Christy, are you, are you uh, ethernet? We're active Ethernet, yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought you might be. You're one of the the rare ones in that part of the we country. <laughs> That's what Travis says. He's a yeah. strong believer in it. And I'm wondering, very Dennis, very you... expensive up front, mm. but it lasts a long time. Dennis is um, is one of your issues that the that you uh, with the splits that you just don't have enough um, uh, fibers for the all the homes. Yeah, we ended up kind of backfeeding at least in the first two or three phases we ended up back feeding on you know half the fiber to feed back to those other terminals and stuff and it just wasn't a very it's just not a very economical use of, of those fibers so what we're finding is with the with the take rate we have and the rehab we're doing you're sitting at about twelve thousand five about twelve thousand bucks for a fiber that you can recover and so we're really putting a lot of emphasis on uh, a couple well really three different initiatives we're doing that rehab because we're about 15% aerial, 85% buried. So, and we have some huge squirrels here that love non shielded fiber. Um, we're also doing an initiative on this ring that we have a 17 mile ring. It's got a 52 nodes on it uh, running around the city, kind of cleaning that up because some of that also is aerial. And we've had some, you know, we kind of did, did some cut arounds and some tubes that don't, you know, make the full route of the ring. So, um, and then we're trying to do this just recovery of the of the pairs or the strands, um, you know, by putting in splitter cabinets in areas and just being very methodical about our approach. We're hiring additional additional engineer, additional fiber splicer that are really just going to be focused on that, and that's going to be their main job. And and it's going to be a you know it's going to take us something that's probably a three to five years to correct all this. What does it mean twelve thousand dollars per fiber? that you can recover? We basically just take a look at the splits that we do on a fiber. Um, we're going to a 32 split type of a deal. And if you take a look and you put 58% uh, of that 32, and then you, you apply the rate to it for the services that we offer, 
that's kind of a ballpark number that we came up with for every strand that we recover. And that way it's kind of easy when you go in from a budget standpoint and you talk about these different initiatives, you know, how much, uh, how much sense it makes to, to spend your time doing this because you recover the dollars on the back end of it. Sure. Okay, Travis, I'll stop jumping in, but I won't. <laughs> well, well, the question that I have, Dennis, because it's what we've struggled with, and I don't know, Christy, if you have some thoughts on this, is what is your maximum penetration rate? Because we, year over year over year, like we're similar to you, we, we call ours our builds phases. And so let's just say phase number one that was built 12 years ago, we're still getting new customers on every single year. So we're, we're really struggling with where is the high water mark on adoption in these fiber networks? I, I, I think our rate from an adoption standpoint, we do, we, we're taking 40, um, 42 customers every week. Mm -hmm. We get new customers. We have roughly 35 or 3,600 MDU units that we're gonna turn up in the next 12 to 18 months. We haven't, we still have a ton of building going on here. Uh, um, Longmont is annexing square miles of, of property that's on the north side of Highway 66, which is kind of north of where our, you know, our, our, our plant is right now. And those are all going to be filled with homes. I literally think we can get to a, you know, I'd like to be 63, 65%. I think that's, I think that's, you know, and when you take a look and the anticipated was 37 you know, if you can, you know, blow that out of the water, I think it's it's a credit to the folks that you have doing all that work and, you know, the sales and marketing people that we have on the team. So I think Cedar Falls is plays in the 80s and 80 percent, but they're going up against Mediacom. So that's not too surprising. Yeah. Christy, any are you able to share any of your kind of percentage wise on your old? Yeah, we continue to hover around the 35 percent penetration. Okay. Um Part of our challenge is, is we're not only a university market, we have a state university here, but we're also a military market. Okay. Um, and um, we'll do average 700, 750 new connects a month. And they've done that con consistently through, you know, month after month after month for years. But we'll also disconnect 650. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's a high churn market. Um, and it will always be, it was, it's been that way, you know, for as long as I've been in this market and I don't see that changing. So that 35%, 40% range is probably about the best we're ever going to hope for, but simply because of the volatility of the market. And that was one of the reasons you went into this, right? Because you couldn't roll a truck for all those electricity disconnects all the time. Is that Correct. right? That's the first thing we did out of the, the AMI piece of the fiber was replace all of the meters with um, fiber red and now wirelessly red um, uh, collectors um, that uh, uh, saved us all those truck rolls. So you moved away from the fiber red collector. We did. Um, we did. We, we have fiber um, run to collectors and then most all the meters now we're in the process of switching most of those all out, but most all of those meters now are being read wirelessly. And, and we are we are just starting AMI in Longmont. Hmm. Is that because the meter the the meters it's it's easier to get the wireless versions versus fiber versions because it know, is a, a fiber attached home is relatively rare compared because even in Minneapolis where we've got a pretty solid footprint we still have all wireless 
reader. Yes. You know, the city yeah. has. And, and that's it. Absolutely. Yeah. And 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 you've got less of a, of a maintenance issue too with that fiber drop. You know, it's not as big a deal if there's something that happens with that fiber drop, whether it's underground or overhead. And a huge portion of our our, our market is overhead. But you've got less of a, a challenge for maintenance on that fiber drop. Um, if you know, obviously, if you if you don't have to worry about that to read a meter, but then you can offset some of that cost on that maintenance if you're also getting ancillary services out of it, such as the internet and the sure. the TV services. Travis, any other any other questions, or should I jump into my my uh, pot of questions? Keep keep rolling, buddy. Keep rolling. <laughs> so. Um, uh, one of the things that I know uh, Longmont's doing is, uh, is you mentioned you're already doing some of the income qualified. You're working with uh, local folks um, to uh, raise money to help uh, subsidize the bills of folks who can't afford it. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Um, we have a uh, program that's called Share the Next Light, and I'll look at my rates here so I get it right. I believe that we're at a um, uh, Sharing the Next Light. We had 76 subscribers on that, which provides them 100 megabits symmetrical. Um, with the EBB program that's out there right now, um, we have a number of customers who have taken advantage of that. Um, that's EBBP program. Um, I think we have 400 or so customers on that program right now. Um, and, and we had moved, we had moved, we were at a 25-25 for the minimum rates that we would uh, provide. And we bumped that up to 100 and 100 and 100. And Christy, are you also uh, taking advantage of the EBB or are helping your customers to take advantage of it? We haven't gotten into that business, quite honestly. Um, and, and part of that is we've got lots of, of things that TVA is doing in the market on the electric side um, where they've helped customers with the electric side of the house to pay their bills. And we've really not delved into that on the broadband side. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit more about the electricity then, because I I love hearing this. Um, when was the last time that the the ratepayers in Clarksville paid for a new substation? <laughs> um, they haven't in about ten years. So yes, we've actually done. You know, a new substation around here costs about six million dollars, and we've built three new ones out of cash um, that broadband has has provided. That is just, I mean, <laughs> it's really quite remarkable. There was a, a question from Rye, um, my colleague, asking if it would make sense with that arrangement. Like, um, you know, broadband customers are putting a lot of money in the electric department. Um, would it ever make sense for the broadband system to buy, you know, that fiber or have a different arrangement? Uh, or is it just um, it's so good for the electric department that you wouldn't make that available? It probably would some at some point make it um, make sense for the broadband side as my cash continues to grow um, and as we continue to, to um, be more successful. However, I don't see it ever happening because that that nine plus million dollars, which is only going to continue to grow as our customer base grows and as they increase um, rental rates on the fiber, um, that's uh, uh, never going to happen because they need that cash coming in. One of the things that we've also been able to do is offset. They haven't had a rate increase on the electric rates in over 10 years because we haven't because of that cash coming over. And this has been a time where um, uh, electric utilities have been um, increasing rates. I know my investor owned utility has. So, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Um, 
I mean, Christy, I want to ask you one other thing, which is that you worked previously um, uh, with also uh, a private company that opposed uh, municipal networks. What was your experience at the time? And, and was that like, did, were you at all concerned about coming over here to work um, in, in this enterprise? Well, thankfully, I guess I had my gap years in between. I left um, the corporate cable um, world um, and was the executive director of our Chamber of Commerce for five years. And then we, we joke around here that um, the utility decided to get into the uh, broadband business and they looked around and said, who do we know that knows anything about this? And I was the only one they knew. And so they lured me over. Um, so I had a little bit of a gap in between the two, but um, interesting um, and somewhat uncomfortable um, story was that I was at a, a meeting with several uh, general managers from the utility side. and one of the general managers had had worked with me at another system had worked at another system in the same corporation i was at and had left and gone to the utility side and so we were standing there talking and he turns around and looks at me and he goes oh i remember you the last time i saw you you were standing in a parking lot in Jackson, Tennessee, with a petition in your hand to keep us from going into the broadband business. And said, <laughs> yes, yes, I was. <laughs> so yeah, and um, so it's a it, it's a, a different different approach. But you know, w there were quite a few of the um, folks that shifted from our side, the corporate side of the world, over to the to the municipality side of the world. Well, and in in their defense, I mean, I want to. I think it's worth talking about this. Like, um, no one here uh, thinks that uh, local governments getting involved always works out well, or that they always do it right. So we can talk about some of the the challenges there. But in particular, I mean, Jackson um, went into it with a pretty challenging business plan that they ultimately had to significantly change in order to uh, make sure that they were successful. So they um, did. And there are still some communities that that was not the only community we fought. And there's still a small community to the north of us in, in Kentucky that, that we battled against from the corporate world perspective that to this day, and I'm, I'm great friends. They've got a small um, wireless um, um, internet offering, but nothing wired and no television or anything else. But um, to this day, I would still argue that that's not the community to make a massive multi-million dollar investment in because it's not a growing community and it and it and it challenges those smaller communities. Yes, we'd love to see everyone have opportunities and and choice and and expansion, but when when it just doesn't make sense for the ratepayers and or taxpayers in this case, um, it's 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 a little hard for some of these smaller communities to do that. Now it's getting better, obviously, with more funds being provided, but at the time those funds were not out there. Mm -hmm. Dennis, I'm curious, one of the, one of the things that, um, we have, um, as an interesting oddity is our show has both, uh, some viewers who are, uh, very supportive of communities doing it themselves, very focused on that, like myself, but also a lot of people who are just interested as small companies or entrepreneurs getting into this space. And, and I always like to talk about what is it like and what advice would you have for someone that's trying to get into this space um, at, at the, at the um, where they don't have, they're not starting off with $50 million, right? They're starting off maybe with like hundreds of thousands or a few million to get started. Is there any advice you give um, besides go back in time before all the prices went up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, buy all your stuff 24 months ago. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think the advice is that you got to be very, um, you got to be very ingrained in the community that you're going into. And I think there's, you know, if, if you have limited funds, 
it's going out and finding at finding those communities that are willing from a homeowners association standpoint to kind of help along with that build and then you know start using those revenues and then just going in and, and prioritizing the sites that you want to build to as you have the money to do it. I mean, you know, we were very fortunate from the standpoint of, you know, somebody had the vision on the LPC side starting in 98 that they were going to start placing capacity in the network um, for, you know, so when uh, the fiber uh, dreams ever came true, that there would be pathway there for us to use. Um, you know, I, I've been involved in those builds where you're having to bore everything in and it's it's costly, it's expensive. And, you know, it, it's establishing those relationships with, the, you know, the utilities in the city and then with those customers in the city to uh, to be very strategic in how you roll out your network um, and, and very realistic about how you do that. Because the last thing you want to do, of course, is set expectations with uh, potential customers and then fall short of that because you'll, you'll lose them. So, and Chris, do you have any, uh, any additional advice? Yeah, I, I'd have to echo what Dennis Dennis says. I mean, you know, and, and the other piece of that, too, is know, know the market. Know what the potential for that market could possibly be. Is it, a, is it a growing market? Is it new industry, new home builds? You know, are those things happening in the market that will lend naturally to, um, to, to growth? Um, one of the things that saved us initially in the early days when we had no money and every piece of every dime we had had to go to buy set top boxes and 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 receivers and encoders and all that great fun stuff um, was that because we were an electric utility, we didn't have the dollars to, to heavily market in our community. So we had to go about training customer service reps who were used to taking an order for electric because everybody has to have electric and turn them into salespeople. And that's where we spent our efforts at. And, and it made a huge difference in, in how we approached it. But again, if we hadn't been a, a market or a community that had new people moving in on a regular basis, we wouldn't have had those opportunities mm -hmm. either. Mm -hmm. So take a look at the market, really know the market you're entering into. Now, Travis, I got to know, do you survey customers for satisfaction and things like that? I know that you um, you're, you you keep a close eye on social media uh, for the outliers and things like that. How do you keep track of whether or not people like your network? Yeah, so, you know, a lot is they're very vo people are very vocal on, you know, social media. This, you know, back in the 2000s, if the Internet was down for a little bit, people would go outside or they'd go do something else. <laughs> now, if you miss one or two pings you're like the evilest person on planet earth. So the, the demand for internet to, is much more sensitive, but no, yeah, I mean, we, we send out surveys and, you know, we're constantly monitoring social media. It's amazing. You know, the things you have to do to keep that customer satisfaction as high as, as, as humanly possible. I'm bringing it up because um, I, I don't know if Dennis over there is juking the stats, but I think of the one of the presentations you gave where we were together in a group. Um, uh, you had, I always think of it, and this might be a little distasteful for some, but I think of it as Saddam Hussein numbers for very satisfied, which uh, just seems suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what's, what are your surveys showing? We're well over... Uh... I don't have it in front of me here. Well over 90%, we were um, satisfied customers and 92% of that number was very satisfied. I mean, you know, you just, it's its really, um, it's been very refreshing being here. 
Um, I, I was talking to one of the CSRs and they went across the street to eat. I think there's a, there's a Chipotle over there that they went to eat at. And a person standing in line with them said, oh, you work for you for next lot. Yeah. And they said, we love your service. Let us buy your lunch. <laughs> that just never, that just never happened in the world that I, that I was kind of raised in to where that happened. I mean, you know, people do, people love the service and they love it because, you know, we're local, right? They call, they're getting a person that lives in the community. We're out there that day, if not early the next day. Um, you know, our techs are all homegrown, you know, people that haven't worked in the industry. So they don't have all that preconceived notion about, oh, we used to do it this way there, you know, um, types of things. I mean, we have, you know, techs that worked in the oil field and we're plumbers and we're garage door repair guys. And, um, you know, they've just all as a team kind of moved along and advanced in their knowledge and stuff. And the community, I mean, the community loves the power side and they love the broadband side of it. But, but you're right. I mean, if they're, if they're out of service, you know, if we have anything that goes on for, you know, an hour and a squirrel chew or anything, you know, they, they jump on, uh, they jump on the internet and they start talking about oh, it. So, they're not shy either. I'll tell you no, that. They're not. They are not. And, and we have to be, we're very reactive and we're very quick in how react, how we react to that. At the same time, if we, if we have a planned outage, you know, we do it in a maintenance window. We had an initiative where myself and three of the other CSRs called 500 customers and said, hey, we're going to be out from this time to this time. Your outage is probably going to be 15 to 20 minutes. Um, you know, we got to repair this section that had squirrel damage. Out of those 500 customers, we received calls back after the fact, I believe from two. Mm. So we really do. I think we, we, we take care um, we take care of the customers like, you know, that they're our last ones that we have. And when we go above and beyond to provide them service, I mean, if they, you know, if they have questions about, uh, you know, I just bought a Peloton bike and I want to try to, you know, incorporate this into my network at the house, our TSRs take the time to talk them through that. What is a TSR? Um, there, so we have CSRs that kind of take the orders for us. The TSRs are the technical service reps. Um, they are, I would equate them to a knock tech. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, when we do start with our 10 gig offering, we're going to open up a full, a full blown knock that's going to have, you know, tier one through tier three support, 24 by seven, all that good stuff. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> I wish, I wish y'all got colder. I'd, I'd consider moving down there. <laughs> <laughs> Too warm. Too warm. Yeah. <laughs> Christy, I'm curious if you have any advice. I mean, you you probably are, you guys must be experts on the multi-tenant environment situation. Um, we've talked with different ISPs before and Travis is, has a really great setup that, that he's talked about a bit and uh, also said that Minneapolis, they get 50% of all of those um, apartment buildings switch over every year. So um, that's, you're dealing with that constantly. You must have some tricks that you've used to get in there. Well, the, the, the interesting thing in our market, um, because of who we compete against and because so many of our, 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 so much of our markets new build too, we have lots of new subdivisions coming up. I mean, it's not unheard of us for us to have multiple subdivisions with um, 1,000 to 1,200 new homes available annually um, and they're selling like crazy. Um, but we're first in because 
we when we run the power in, we're running the fiber in right along with the power, mm -hmm. and the other providers in the market are not as fast to do that. Um, we've also worked really, really hard with our home builders associations and our realtor associations and our property managers for 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 new build um, MDUs, and in a lot of cases without agreements, without exclusivities or anything else, they're only wiring for us. And so we're in there, you know, and it's in there from the from day one. And it's about relationship building at that point. And then we <clears throat> talking about customer service satisfaction. In addition to the heavy churn that we have leaving our market um, annually, we also have a lot of, of churn of them moving around in our market. So they they get stationed here, they move into the market, they're not sure where they want to live, they're not sure what school systems they want to be in. They dump in here, they choose an apartment or a house or whatever, and then the next thing you know, they're moving to the next hot subdivision or the, the next apartment complex that they want to be in. And so they move around quite a bit. And we are now finding um, and we're hearing from our home builders and our, our MDU builders that um, they're seeing um, tenants come in or potential um, tenants or buyers asking if our service is available. And if it's not, in some cases, it, it, they, they're not able to make a sale or, or, or rent a unit. Um, so that's kind of been a real positive force as well to get ahead of the game and, and compete. The, the incumbent providers um, here are just not making the investment to get in there as fast as we are. And we're, we're banking on that. Yeah, and I, I was curious how um, how that was going in Longmont too. In part because I feel like from afar it looked like you're competing as Comcast, which I think of as being one of the hardest cable companies to compete against, just for quality of product. Um, you're competing as CenturyLink, which um, is putting fiber to a number of MDUs, and and there, I mean, I'm in my office at work. I'm on um, CenturyLink 100 megabit symmetrical service. And it's quite good. Um, you know, uh, so, uh, what is it like, um, going up in those environments? And I know that there's probably lots of MDUs are leaving behind where they're not connecting, but where you're facing that stiff competition, what does it look like for you? You know, we've got, um, for the first time about two months ago, our take rate for apartments, MDUs <clears throat> was over 50%. I think we're at 52% now from a take rate standpoint. Um, we're doing a lot of bulk agreements. Um, we have a great sales team. Um, they're very good at, you know, going out and meeting with, uh, you know, with the office and, and, and getting a bulk agreement signed where it's just part of the homeowner's dues that they pay for broadband services. Um, and, and we also do a very good job in going into those areas where, you know, they've got exclusive marketing agreements today and getting in front of those customers and being able to, you know, jump in as soon as, as soon as it becomes available. We had one that we just did a retrofit and ran basically fiber to a number of buildings. There's 504 units, I think, in there. Uh, we finished up with it probably three months ago. We've already got 25% of the units there. Um, so, uh, again, we're, you know, the, the one product that concerns me and we're trying to figure this out. CenturyLink has CenturyLink on. Um, you know, when you uh, open up your computer, when you move into a new apartment, this walled garden pops up, says welcome. And you can go in, you know, just use your credit card, sign up for it, hit the button, and, you know, it turns it on for you. Um, we need to figure out from an MPU standpoint on how we do that. We're doing uh, ONT leave behinds right now in all the units that we, we wire to going forward. So we'll have that capability. 
um, we just have to figure out how we kind of put ourselves first in the line when they open up that computer that, that, that we come up first. So, um, Sorry, I was just, I had the dueling thoughts and they canceled each other out. Um, <laughs> I know, Travis, I know you do something like that. Um, the, yeah, uh, are you running fiber to all your MDU units, Dennis, or are you running Cat 5, Cat 6? No, we run fiber to every unit. Okay. Christy, are you doing MDUs as well? We are. Um, uh, our original ones, we did Cat 5. Yeah. Um, the fiber would go to the outside of the unit, of course, and we do Cat 5 inside. Now we're running fiber. Um, straight in and in fact there's a um, this will be a new game for us um, but there is a um, 608 unit um, property opening up in the next few months and we're actually building for fiber to save on fiber to that property we're actually building a little mini um, pond network off of our fiber network to, to, to service that. So kind of excited about seeing how that turns out for us. Yeah. So we, we have, we've had very, from an MDU standpoint, had very limited from MDU owners, they, uh, interest in actually running fiber to the units themselves. So we're still running cat six to every unit, which makes it easy. Like Dennis was talking about for onboarding because people just plug in, they get a little welcome screen says, how many internets would you like? What's your name? What's your credit card number? And they're on. Yeah. So, so, so that's why I'm, I'm, it's interesting. Now, do you do you leave because you have um, an ONT or something in each of the apartment buildings, and then and then you need to have them plugged into the wall and you know or into power, and you don't have problems with people taking them with you when they leave. Well, the the, the customer once they have the account, the customer owns in certain accounts. The customer basically is responsible for that ONT, so they either take it with them or return it to us. An okay. apartment complex okay. like that, the ONTs are going to stay behind, and they're going to be yeah. they're going to belong to the unit, not to the customer. But don't yeah. people end up taking them by accident? Well, really, they're in that smart panel, and the smart panel's got four screws in it. Okay. Um, so it's 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 kind of easy for them to stay in there. In fact, we've got stickers on them that talks about not removing them. So. Well, Travis, I thought you had a little device you bolted on the wall that did Wi-Fi too that they could sign well, up. Yeah, now that that's been our new play because what we've learned is there's there's a there's a little bit of a flaw sort of in our piece where if somebody doesn't have their own router, you know, now they have to go through a whole router procurement process. So we've gone to kind of a copied it from Amazon. If you order a router, we drop it off in 30 minutes and, and you're on. But so we've gone with some in-wall routers in a couple couple buildings you know we've got about 1500 or 2000 deployed just to test that where there's there's just an ssid you can connect to and you're on because a lot of people just come in with their phones tablets and laptops and and they're sure. and they're, they're, they're it's just an access point and they're on I, I'm, I haven't really decided which is the better model the problem with that model is is the wi-fi stuff ages out pretty fast and i didn't want to be in a situation where for every three to five years we're out there reading <clears throat> You know, re-putting in new access points in every unit. You know, now we have to go from Wi-Fi five to Wi-Fi six to six E. You know, it's just it just got to be. So I, I I think I might scrap the whole idea and just go back to just a wall jack that you plug into and you're on. Yeah, we just started about three months ago with IPv6. Okay, and we have about seven hundred of those. I think between seven and eight hundred of those units in place already. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a program where, you know, Calix is, uh, doing a, 
kind of a buyback on 844s and we may participate in that and try to uh, you know, do some swap outs and stuff, but, um, you know, we wanted to have that newest technology available anywhere from, you know, those small apartments to a three or 3,500 square foot home. So. Sure. Now I wanted, I remembered what I, when I blanked, when I just, when I just looked like I was, um, we call it, we always, in my house, we always say zoner. Um, um, and it was, Travis doesn't have this problem because he's um, wakes up to a new challenge every morning as he's expanding his network by ever greater numbers each year. But um, Dennis and Christy, when you get to the point where most of the problems have been solved, you can tell me I'm wrong about that. But like, is this still exciting to do this work? I mean, like, you know, you're just sort of filling in some gaps here and there. Like, like what, what keeps the blood pumping? Do you miss the old days where things would fall apart overnight? Dennis, Christy, do you want to take that first? <laughs> okay, I'll take it. You know, it, it's it's really interesting now because we're going from that build out, um, activate mode model to now more of a maintenance type. So, <clears throat> I, I think what we're going to see is we're going to we're going to upgrade our our fiber techs, install techs to service techs, so more of that techie knowledge, and then we're going to move some folks from there up into the fiber optic splicing. <laughs> It's work that is um, is transitioning, and I think you know it's just exciting. To, the next three to five years, that's what we're going to be doing. Is we're going to be, you know, we'll build as we need to, but we're going to be maintaining and really providing more services, more robust services over this network. And when you say the the tech, that's the more like a geek squad kind of like help desk kind of stuff. No, that they're actually our field techs. So we've had we have today we have three. Um, we have a. a fiber installation technician then we have a service technician and they're more advanced they can get in and do you know uh, move jumpers around in the uh, into the huts and stuff and then we have the actual fiber splicers um that you know do all of our maintenance and then as they as they need to get involved in, in cuts they, they do that so uh, no those are the technicians that i'm talking about and those are the ones that we want to try to you know we have five uh fiber installation techs today and i think maybe in two years, we may only have two or three because I, th I think we're going to see that activity. You know, we're in a 6% growth rate right now. Um, I think it's going to stay 6% probably through 23, but then I think we're going to see a little bit of a drop off. Um, I say that as I see that we're still annexing land, like there's you know, no tomorrow. So. Well, I just saw a new town on social media saying that they really needed Longmont to expand or they needed to build something like Longmont or something like that. So I'm sure there's small towns around you who are hoping that you're going to um, put those crews to work in their areas. Well, you know, it's interesting. You, you talk about that because there are some communities that are east of the interstate. And my thinking is, well, you know, we, we have a, uh, we have a, a, a DOS scrubber that we just invested a lot of money in. We've got all of this back office. We have these technicians. You know, why would the smaller communities around us have to have to invest in all this back office when we could provide them transport? They could ship all their traffic through us. We take their orders. We do their dispatching. We would scrub all the, you know, prevent the DOS attacks do all that. So, I mean, kind of long range. That's what I'm, uh, you know, that's where my head's at is thinking, you know, how can we use our network to advantage the others that are building around us so they don't have to invest those dollars. They don't have to recreate the wheel. They don't have to go through the headaches that we went through. So, 
So, Christy, um, if you can remember back to the days when you had problems to solve, do you, do you miss those days? <laughs> yesterday, like yesterday, uh, you know, it, it's not it's it, it's still a challenge. It's still something I love doing every single day. I think that the difference with this now is keeping a pace of the next thing that the consumer is going to be looking for. What do they want to do with our network? How much are they going to push it? And being, like I said, in a university and military market, they'll push the limits of the network. They'll 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 make us work. If we're going to deliver a minimum of 250 meg services residentially and, and up to a gig, they're going to speed test that stuff every five minutes to make sure <laughs> they're 250 to a gig and, and looking at what their challenge, you know, what they're going to challenge us to do. Um, and then building our partnerships with our enterprise customers as well. We not only service all the internet bandwidth for the university, but we're partnering directly with them about what they can do next with it. What, what, you know, what they can do for distance learning and how they can expand on what they're doing on the university campus. You know, we we service the this all of the school system buildings um, in our community and provide all the bandwidth for them, responding quickly for them. For example, um, last school year when they did um, almost immediately everyone virtual overnight, um, how, how do we support those? How do we support the school itself? How do we manage the bandwidth? They were in day three of school starting and they called and said, we don't have enough bandwidth. Can you move us um, from from <clears throat> 10 gig to 20 gig? And we said yes. And within 30 minutes, we had them changed over and added mm -hmm. 20 gig capacity. But you charge them 300% more, I hope. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, we entered into this new school year with them, and we have spent the entire summer upgrading every one of the schools from a one-gig connection to a 10-gig connection um, as far as their point-to-point -point connections, and then the main feed going into them is now 40-gig. Um, so keeping a pace of what our enterprise customers are going to be asking for us from us and, and making sure the network's there to handle it. Um, and that's the challenge every single day. And then figuring out what you do with a bunch of aging out video equipment when you have no more video customers. <laughs> <laughs> and for people who are reading the transcript later, that was definitely sarcasm regarding the, the yes. price hike on the schools. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Travis, as we're running out, do you have any, uh, any last questions? Well, one thing that, that, sticks in my mind is you guys are bound geographically about how big your network can get. Is that correct? I certainly am. Well, but Christy's bound by law, but Dennis is yeah. not. Okay. 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 So I, I, I'm pushing the boundaries a little bit with this Del Camino build that we did, but you know, the school district was in a jam. They had a partner that backed out on them on the last minute. They had to get the dollars spent by the end of this year. And we were, we were kind of there and said, Hey, how can we help you out of it? Okay. Yeah, when the school district's called the St. Vrain Valley School District, um, then uh, you get a sense that its, it's uh, boundaries might not be um, perfectly aligned with the cities. <laughs> not even close. Hey, we got a question from Tom here. He said, Dennis, how does the rollout of 10 gig require more technical service agents to support? <clears throat> well, so, so if I'm a customer and I'm talking about, again, in my old life, 
you know, we used to bring people in. We had the Starship deck at, uh, at, at our company. And, you know, you'd bring all these big customers in and you'd show them all the flashing lights and that impressed them. Um, it, it, we're going to have to have an SLA um, with the 10 gig offering. Um, we are going That's to... That's a service level agreement. Service level so agreement. Right. I'm sorry, I'm talking in acronyms again. Um, and, and if I'm a customer, I'm going to want to come and see what, what your knock looks like. And right now our knock, knock looks like a, uh, a call center closet. It's, you know, it's, it's pretty small and, you know, we're, we're kind of jammed in there on top of each other. And I, I want to give them and, sh and show them that we, you know, how we monitor the network. And I want to have the, the big screen TVs that do, you know, 24 by seven monitoring and, you know, show what our scrubbers are doing and, and all that. So um, in order to do that, in order to, have, to staff at 24-7, we're going to have to grow a little bit. And that's the reason why um, we're going to get some new space and we're going to officially declare that we have a knock and, um, you know, the tier one, tier two and tier three titles and, and, and what each of those titles and, and levels is responsible for. Okay, interesting. So, yeah, have, have you guys thought about two and a half gig, though, as your next logical jumping point in capacity? And the reason I ask is, we, we've been running 10 gig for years, but there's not a lot of CPEs or home devices or home routers that support it. Actually, there's none. So it's really hard to sell it. But with next year with Wi-Fi 6E hitting and the new, all the new chipsets supporting two and a half gig, that seems to be our logical next step for, for more mass adoption. I mean, don't tell anybody, but we've got four 10 gig customers after about five years of doing it. So... And you know, yeah. three of my gave away just so yeah. that I can say we have them. So I'm just saying that, um, you know, keep that on the DL though. But it, it's just, it's not a popular, it's going from one gig to 10 is a tough jump. Yeah. That's why I'm curious what you guys, I'm going one to two and a half. I, I, I just got something from the sales team today, in fact, that we're looking at pricing and, and we've got a, a, two, a two gig and a 10 gig. So yeah. that, yeah, we, we, we just don't know. I mean, a community that's north of us, um, they've, uh, they're in the middle of their build out and they've got 10, uh, you know, they've got 10, 10 gig customers. They have one that's a, you know, a, a trader and they have nine that are gamers. Yeah. So you just don't know what the demand's going to be for. I think if you have it priced right, um, I think you run some risk if you have a price too low that you're going to have a capacity issue. Eventually. Yeah, we, just, we, we just had problems with routers and then doing yeah. 10 gig handoff to customers. You know, customers just did not have equipment. Yeah. That, um, well, I mean, Christy, I'm curious if you're looking at that also. I mean, I feel like one of the smartest things the cable companies are starting to do is advertise 1,200 you know, megabits a second or whatever, just so they can say they're faster than a gig, even though we all know that the experience is nothing like having nothing an actual like fiber connection. Yeah. Well, we, we offer, of course, the 10 gig and obviously based on that, based on what I just told you with the school system, but um, we keep that at the enterprise level for a, a business customer. We don't do anything like that for the residential side. And we're in the process um, with um, uh, equipment in our lab right now and looking at pricing points for a two gig to two and a half gig, um, you know, offering on the, on the residential side, but, but, but haven't gotten there yet. So... Yeah, okay. well, we're, what we're doing is we're putting what's called a multi-gig switch in at the home so we can do one, two and a half, five and ten. But we're only going to really offer the two and a half. Now, I'm with you, Christy, on the business side. We do 10 gig all day long because, yeah. you know, there's enterprise 10 gig handoff 
equipment available, but you're just not going to put a $10,000 router in somebody's home. You know, and, and, you know, and, and like, like you, you know, like some of the others, you know, we had it for several years. We offered 10 gig for several years and had no takers on it um, until we closed the deal with the school system. We, our, we had one customer for the longest time and that was our own electric company. And I sold it back to them so I could get some of my money back. Um, hopefully, well, I should, charge, hopefully you charge $9 million a year. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another question, John, John just posted as, as yeah, there, there are nowadays, there's a few corner cases where there is some 10 gig equipment out there. Um, it's just tough to explain this to the average home internet user. You know, I, I guess I'm talking about kind of the mass adoption, you know, there, there will be these corner cases, but I, I think I really think two and a half gig because cable also talks about having two gig. So we'll have two and a half symmetrical. And with another shout out to the, the prior FCC administration with the opening up of the six gig frequency. I like to get that in every show is um, with Wi-Fi 6E coming. It's going to be an absolute game changer on the Wi-Fi arena. So that paired with two and a half gig is is a very attractive next step in the evolution of the fiber to the home networks. I I just want to note that I, um, uh, I, I love what the previous FCC did in terms of the, uh, the, the tribal priority window. I'm very happy to give credit where credit is due. I'm not at all thin skinned about it. Travis. Okay. I just want to make sure idea. That's the entire six gigahertz spectrum, Chris. Can you believe it? Well, and AT&T is suing to try and force them to take it back. You're following that. I hope. No, that's why I have you to monitor the government. <laughs> I, don't, I don't speak all that language. So Travis opened my eyes to something really important, which is that um, there are vendors who are trying to like sh um, ship their gear to um, people like uh, like you all to say like, hey, we do this sort of stuff. You should check it out. And I just want to note that like I'm not at all um, you know averse to uh, product placement. Usually I have my uh, <laughs> usually I have my um, my mug from. Um, uh, Vetro fiber map folks. Uh, you know, I got the hat here from Longmont. I got, uh, you know, um, oh. I'm just saying I'm willing to test out some 10 gig stuff in our home office because Travis is about to wire it. I mean, at the office at work because Travis is about to wire it with, uh, with a yeah. connection. So here's our someone wants to send me something, you know. Here's Chris and I's relationship. You know, if you have any tchotchkes at, at work that you want to bring over when you come over and hang out, you know, we, we, we like stuff. <laughs> I ran into one of Travis's guys in a, in a, in a, in a cafe and I loved the shirt. And I was like, Travis, can I get one of those sweatshirts? It's like, oh, yeah, for sure. That was like two and a half years ago. Yeah, and I hear about it every week. So, <laughs> hey, would we like, hey, it'd be good maybe to get the uh, input from Dennis and Christy on our bet, Chris, and see if, if we have a few. Okay. Minutes. Okay. So, here's the bet um, for if you're paying attention to this at the regulatory level. Um, the bet was that by the, I believe it was the end of February, but it might have been the beginning of February, but by early next year, the FCC will have officially raised the definition of broadband past 25.3 to something that is more sensible. Um, do you think we're going to hit that timing? I would say probably yes. Christy, chicken wings, you want to bet? <laughs> you know, they've been kicking it around for long enough. I, I, I think they may hit that. I don't know if they can anymore, given how long it'll take to confirm the next commissioner. I feel like I've already lost the bet because they need a they need a three two vote on it, and oh. um, and they need to have a proceeding. So I feel like I'm afraid I might have lost it already. Yeah. And we're just I, now. I might have had it 
free chicken wings in both Colorado and Tennessee coming up, you know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, I do as we're as we're rounding out, we're gonna be we're gonna be wrapping up here in a second. And um I have to warn both you, um, now that you've been on the show with Travis, he might show up in one of the fanciest motorhomes you've ever seen oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to, to come inspect your network. So perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Love we, to have we, need, we need to go on the road and go see some of the stuff in person, Chris. Yeah, my son needs to grow up so I don't have to spend as much time at home. That's what uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know we did have a nice visit with the ILSR crew last uh, was it last week um yes chris had all of his folks around and we uh we went out and we looked at blinky lights and fiber in the ground and stuff so i i think seeing it in person is interesting for people so i'd yeah. love to see what everyone has going on thank you so much um dennis and christy and if you wait around for a second after the after the countdown you get to the special backstage where we just hang out for a couple minutes to um talk about things the audience doesn't get to hear super special um but uh really appreciate everyone tuning in we are streaming on twitter now in the future as well so um this episode uh will be uh, up for review pretty much immediately on on youtube but uh thank you for questions love the the comments in the uh in the chat and I uh, really want to thank everyone for coming out. Uh, this has been another really fun episode of Connect This. Mm -hmm.